Welcome to Role-Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role-playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 81, Player 101. So, I know I covered a few of the basics of being a player of role-playing games way back in Episode 9, titled I Want to Play. That is available in the archives if you're interested, but I wanted to note that I'll be rehashing some of that info in today's show, as well as expand on some thoughts I've had since then. Again, there will be a few thoughts I've touched on in other episodes of this podcast, as well as Bad GM's campaign build-along, so if you're a regular listener to both shows, there will be a bit of the presentation that will definitely sound familiar. So, why would I do this? I mean, the idea of the show is to present a new topic each and every week. My answer is simple. Much like with the subject of Spelljammer, which was covered in two separate episodes, sometimes my thoughts on a subject change or are expanded with the introduction of new information. In this case, as well as in the case of next week's episode on being a GM, I've touched on portions of what I feel is important, but I've never really made the case as a whole for what I feel are important things to know and understand before you do either of these things. And let's be real right up front. Pretty much everything I'm saying here comes from my own personal experiences, and they are my opinions. Your thoughts and experiences may vary, so in the end, all I ask is that you listen with an open mind and feel free to borrow anything I say that you think might work for you. So, with that in mind, let's crank up the tour bus and get rolling. For those of you who've been with us since the beginning, you'll remember that back in episode 9, I detailed what you'd need to do if you wanted to game but didn't necessarily have a group to play with. At that time, I suggested that you could teach interested friends and or family members to game and build your group that way. Or you could check the message boards at your local game shop, bookstore, or college campus for groups looking for players. Now, all of that information still holds true. But I've noticed a trend recently of groups looking for gamers to play online using Discord, Roll20, or another online game source. So if gaming that way sounds like something that would interest you, check out the various social media feeds out there for gamers. I can guarantee you there'll be groups looking for players posting almost every day. For me, I'm part of the group Dungeons and Dads on Facebook, and I see posts at least twice a week from groups that are looking for players online. Now, sometimes it's just for one or two nights, but I've also seen GMs looking to put together groups for extended periods of time. So again, if it sounds like it might be your cup of tea, check it out. I think this is a good place for us to start with Player 101. I mean, at this point, you've decided you want to play, and you've either found or created a group, or you're in the process of doing so. What's next? I mean, what's so important about being a player that we need an entire episode devoted to it? I'm kind of glad you asked. And the answer is fairly long and detailed, so rather than explain it twice, let's just dive into it. Regardless of whether you're starting your own group or you're walking into an established group, there's one thing you need to be sure of from the beginning. Are these the type of folks I want to spend multiple hours with playing a game that requires cooperation and a suspension of disbelief? I say that because I've got friends that I love hanging out with, but the idea of sitting with them to play D&D for six hours at a go isn't something that necessarily appeals to me, even though I'd spend 12 hours at a go with them watching ball games or just talking. There is a difference, and understanding that can sometimes be the difference between the game running smoothly for everyone and every game night being an absolute slog to try to get through. My group tries to avoid this issue with a policy that was developed before I even joined. Before you can officially join and create a character, you have to come in and observe a session. 
The idea behind that is that it gives the other members of the group a chance to meet you, if we don't already know you, and it gives you the chance to see how we interact as a group. Look, I'll be completely honest here. My group isn't for everybody. We are, if I'm being honest, occasionally rude, crude, and socially unacceptable. I, I say that jokingly, but our joking and interactions with each other can sometimes be both brutally honest and or filled with profanities that would make a sailor blush. Though the sailor that's a part of our group really blushes, let's just be clear on that. To the best of my knowledge, we've never rejected someone who's come in and sat to observe a session. I mean, we tend to be pretty open to bringing in new players, since we know new blood brings new ideas with it, and we're all pretty much open to new ideas. However, the flip side to that would be that there's occasionally going to be those folks who observe a session and realize that while they might want a game, we're not the group for them. And these days, we've gotten younger overall as a group, so the way we do things has also changed a bit. Again, it works for us, but it might not work for somebody else. So, in a nutshell, taking the time to understand a bit about the folks you're thinking of embarking on this epic quest with is always a good idea if you can do it. But what if you can't? What if this is a group that's being built from scratch with folks who may not necessarily know each other? In this case, this is where the concept of Session Zero can help. I'll touch more on the idea of Session Zero next week, but since Session Zero is intended to be an opportunity for players to create characters and for the basics of the game rules to be discussed, it would be a logical time for everyone who doesn't know each other to get a chance to chat. Through that, you'll hopefully get an idea of what kinds of folks you're getting ready to game with, and you can decide if the group's for you. If not, feel free to move on. Better to drop before the first game's ever played than to wait and make yourself and possibly the group as a whole, miserable. Of course, it's also entirely possible. You'll start the game and decide once it's going on that you don't want to game with one or more of the folks in the game anymore. If you decide you need to leave, I'd start with speaking with the GM privately and express your concerns. With any luck, your concerns can be addressed in a manner that you'll feel like remaining in the group. The GM has some responsibilities here, but again, we'll cover those next week. That being said, if you still feel like leaving after everything's been discussed, do so. The last thing any of us want is to be in a situation where we're uncomfortable. After all, we're playing a game and it's supposed to be fun. If it's not, then we need to find a way to have fun again. Now, my group only has two of its original members still sitting at the table at present after about 23 years of gaming. That would be my friends Scott and Jim, who I talk about frequently on the build-along. And it should be noted that Scott's the only one who's never taken a break from the group at all. Every other member of the group has either taken an extended break from the group or has left it entirely. Jim's taken a couple of breaks over the years. I left for about four months one time due to, we'll just call it personal issues. We've got two members of the group that are on an extended break right now of their own choosing. Again, they wanted to go do something else for a little while, and that's cool. And for those who are curious about when I joined this group, it was a little over 22 years ago. And yes, I had to sit in and observe a session before I got to create my character and join. Okay, so let's move past getting into a group and talk about actually playing the game. Now, I talk about this frequently in the build-along, especially since that show is focused on building a campaign, but it bears some discussion here. When it comes to character creation, there are two schools of thought. Create a character that fills a need for the group, or create the character that you want to play. My preference is to play the character that I want to play. True, it might leave the party in a bind if our D&D group needs a healer, and I've decided to play that dragonborn sorcerer I've always wanted to play. But my feeling is that if I'm playing what I want to play, 
I'm invested in the character to the point that I'll be a more active participant in the storyline and therefore hopefully a better player overall. That being said, if you're the type of person who wants to feel like you're providing a service that's absolutely needed for your group and you're comfortable with doing that, by all means do so. When I've done this in the past, I've started off enthusiastic about the character, but as time wears on, I've felt less like a character with something important to contribute to the story and more like a tool the group needs in order to accomplish their goals. Now, that doesn't mean that if you play what you want to play that you won't eventually get bored with the character or have what I call buyer's remorse. It happens to all of us. And if it hasn't happened to you, (laughs) clock's ticking. Your time is coming, I can assure you. If it happens, have a conversation with your GM to see what your options are and if they'll allow you to create a new character. If they do, then do that. If they don't, discuss what other options there are and work with the group to find a middle ground that makes you feel more comfortable. If you still don't like where things are, you'll need to decide whether or not continuing with that game is the right call for you. I'd like to believe that your GM and group will make every attempt to help you get comfortable. But I also know there are groups out there that really give zero shits about the decisions you've made that you now regret. That's sad, but it's unfortunately true. When you're building the character, regardless of the game and system, there's something you need to think about. What kind of player are you? Now, I did a whole episode breaking down gaming terms earlier this year, and defining the types of gamers was a part of that show. For our purposes here, I'm going to use a couple of those types to help you figure a few things out. Are you the type of player, or person for that matter, who feels the need to be the center of attention? That's going to play into your choice of character, as well as the backstory you create. This is also probably going to be something you'll need to talk about with your fellow group members in the GM, because while you need to be the center of attention, everyone else in the group is also going to want their time to shine. I'm not saying that you should tell the group that you intend to steal the spotlight. I can assure you that most groups are not going to respond well to that. Just let them know that you'll do your best work when you feel like all eyes are on you. To me, that would translate to your character being the face of the group, the person who takes the lead on negotiations or who handles introductions when the group meets somebody new. Those are the types of interactions that would allow you to take center stage while still leaving some juicy parts for the rest of the group to play. Something I'd caution you about with this, though, is to try to be aware of how much me time you're taking during a given session. If the majority of the focus is on you, especially if it's come from your own actions, you might want to consider backing off a bit during the next session and share that spotlight. Too much me might make you happy, but then again, we're all supposed to be enjoying this. So just be aware and be fair. Now, on the flip side of this equation, you might be the type of player who doesn't feel the need to lead. You might be perfectly contented with sitting back and watching the verbal jousting take place, and while you might interject your own thoughts from time to time, for the most part, you're just happy to be playing, so whatever the rest of the group wants to do is fine with you. The only thing I'd say about this is to be careful to not allow yourself to just be a rubber stamp for the wishes of the group. If, deep down, you don't agree with something, speak up. You don't have to be disrespectful, but make your thoughts known. I mean, hell, it's entirely possible you've got a thought the rest of the group didn't come up with, and what you say might change the way the group handles a particular situation. There's one final type of player I want to hit on here, and I would just hope you wouldn't be that type. Matt Colville calls it the wang rod, but I choose to call it the asshole. This is the player who just does basically whatever they want, regardless of whether it helps or hurts the group as a whole, and they don't really seem to care whether or not their fellow gamers are having a good time or not. They tend to say things like, 
Well, it's what my character would do, even though five minutes ago they didn't do something their character would do. I cannot stress this enough. This character tends to not last very long with the group they're playing in. And I do need to note that sometimes we make bad decisions for what we believe are the right reasons. That's not what I'm talking about when I refer to the asshole. That player tends to just do whatever the hell they want to do at any given time. Consequences be damned. If you're stuck with a player like this in your group, they tend to quickly piss off the GM and whomever is hosting the game, unless it's them, pretty quickly, and then they get asked to not come back. If it is you, though, please take a moment to look in the mirror and ask yourself why you're behaving this way. If it's because you don't like being a part of the group, Maybe you need a solo adventure, which we discussed in another show that's available in the archives. So let's move on in our discussion of character creation. In my opinion, one of the most important things you can do as a player is to have at least read some of the player's handbook for the given game you're playing. That should give you some insight into how the game works, which will help you in creating your character. I would also hope your GM has given you some ideas about what the campaign is going to look like in play because that will also allow you to work up your background and decide on your character. Coming up with a background is something I've discovered over the years really helps you not only in playing your character, but in creating it as well. I mean, if your human fighter was abandoned in the forest as a child and found and raised by gnomes, you're going to set the character up differently than the human fighter raised by their human parents. It's the details like this that can help you flesh out the character. There's an old joke about the autowork actor who got himself a nine to five job to keep the lights on. And when he gets told to do something by his boss, his response is, what's my motivation? Yeah, all right. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Sorry. But motivation for the character is something you're going to want to have to at least consider before you sit down to play the first session. I mean, if your character is on a mission to avenge the death of a close family member or a friend, you're going to play that character completely different than the character who's leaving their hometown for the first time to check out the wider world. Those two characters can be the exact same species in class, but play completely different. Background is the key factor. And let me be clear. I'm not talking about writing up a doctoral thesis to explain every aspect of your character's childhood up to and including how potty training went. Some of the best backgrounds I've ever seen are no longer than about six sentences detailing a specific event that was the spark that lit the adventuring fire in the character. It's your character, so ask yourself what your motivation would be. It also helps to reach out to the GM and ask if there are any special factions or bad guys that you might be able to weave into your backstory. The best way to handle that would be to already have an idea of what the backstory is then let the GM know about it and see if they want to use one of their bad guys or groups to be part of that inspiration. I know there are some GMs, myself included more often than not, who'd rather you decide who the people are that were your inspiration than weave that into the narrative instead of doing it the other way around. For the record, there's not a right or wrong way to do that, so I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just making sure we cover all the bases. Okay, so by this point, we've found a group, figured out whether or not we can play with them, at least know the basics of what kind of player we are, and we've built a character with at least a brief background attached to it. Now what? Now we need to talk about your responsibilities as a player in your group. I know your responsibilities are to show up on time, bring some snacks, and play the character the way you're supposed to, right? Yeah, sort of, but that's not quite it. I'm not going to say that showing up on time isn't important because it's very much so. If you're not going to be on time or if you're not going to make the game, it's a basic courtesy to let the GM know as soon as possible what's going on. 
And it's nice to let your group know as soon as you know if you're not going to make a game, as it can adjust when the game starts or whether the game gets played at all. In my group's case, we play the game at Scott's house. So if he can't play, we don't play. Same typically holds true if I can't make the game since I'm the GM at the present time. If I'm out, game's off. If anybody else misses, we usually just roll on with those that we've got. Apologies to the others. So use basic niceties on that end and you should never go wrong. It's the same with the snacks. Bring what you like, but make sure you bring enough to share. Of course, your group might decide to do a potluck meal, depending on what time you game and whether or not any of you can actually cook. Regardless of what you do, make sure you're being courteous to the rest of your group. Here's an example. If there's only one bathroom in the house, maybe lay off the Taco Bell on game night. Just saying. I'm going to leave the third part of that responsibility statement where it is for the moment, because I'll wind up addressing it as I get into what your responsibilities as a player really are. Basically, we go back to those rules our parents taught us when we were little. Share. It's not always easy to do in a game, I'll grant you. But too often I see players who cut their teeth on video games forget that a role-playing game is more than just one player. You need to be willing to work as a team with others to accomplish the goal. If you share the spotlight and divide the tasks that need to be done, everybody gets to feel like they're a part of the team and that they're accomplishing something that helps to drive the game forward. Now, this is especially true of the mundane or shit jobs. The same character shouldn't be doing those jobs every time out. Sure, good old Bob might say he likes doing those jobs, but he should be encouraged to at least try some of the other jobs from time to time. It might just be he's not used to folks giving him the platform to try new things, so give it to him. Be nice. When Bob goes to shoot that goblin in the face with his crossbow and instead accidentally shoots you in the back, don't be a jerk about it. I can assure you Bob wanted to shoot the goblin. Or at least that's what we're going with here. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Bob's an asshole. Anyway, rolling that stupid one through his entire plan off. And if you happen to find yourself in Bob's shoes, take a quick moment to apologize. I realize these are fictional characters we're playing here, but it doesn't hurt to be sincere from time to time. I'm not saying you can't bust each other's chops about it once the apologies have come out, but let's make sure everyone's okay before we start doing that. Otherwise, it can lead to hurt feelings and potential property damage. And I've witnessed that second one firsthand, though not in the group I'm playing in right now. Treat everyone the way you want to be treated. Now, that doesn't mean we treat the bad guys like we want to be treated. I'm specifically talking about the other players in the group and by extension, the other characters. Again, if you act like a jerk towards everyone, eventually they're going to act like a jerk towards you. That also goes for those characters with a mysterious past in their background that the player wants to treat like some sort of deep secret. It's okay to have it, but if you're constantly throwing it up in the rest of the group's face like, I know something you don't know, eventually your group's going to consider how it would go over if they killed your character in your sleep. Again, I've witnessed this firsthand before because it was my character with the mysterious past and yeah, I pushed it too far. And yeah, Play your character the best you can. I, I realize this isn't something your parents told you. It was probably more about having a strong character or moral fiber, but this works too. There's no right way to play your character, just like there's only a select few wrong ways to play a character. On that last one, go back and check out my thoughts on the asshole. So long as you're trying to be the best your character can be, you're doing your job. 
you're thinking about what your character's motivations are and why they'd be taking the actions they're taking. Maybe what you're doing isn't what the rest of the group would believe is the most optimal thing to do, but it's also not something you're going to elicit a laugh from everybody else for. In your mind, and therefore in your character's mind, you're making the best decisions you can based on the information you have. All right, I've got three more thoughts on your responsibilities as a player, so let's hit on these before we wrap. The first part is this. Just because you can do it in the real world doesn't mean your character can do it in the game world. There are a lot of players who confuse the two. You have abilities and knowledge that your character either doesn't have or couldn't have due to the time period and or the setting of the game. And your character has abilities and knowledge you don't have, mostly for the same reasons. So when you're playing in a medieval setting and you want to create a Gatling gun, just because you might know how to do it, your player most likely doesn't due to the time period and the knowledge everyone had at that time. That leads into my second point, which is that when the GM makes a call, it's their call to make. Now, that doesn't mean you can't discuss your position with them. It just means that once the final decision has been made, let it go. Play on. And there's a protocol to discussing things with the GM that we'd all do better to follow. If you disagree with the decision, ask the GM if you can speak with them privately. Once you're away from the rest of the group, discuss your opinion with the GM and give them the chance to tell you why they made the call they did. Maybe they'll make an adjustment based on your argument, and maybe they won't. Either way, you got the chance to speak your piece, so let it go and game on. Also, don't take tons of time with these discussions. We're here to game, so let's try to keep the game rolling on for everyone. And if the call gets questioned with the whole group present, that's not the end of the world. So long as everyone's being respectful, go ahead and have the discussion, then move on. And for the record, I've experienced this. I've been the player and I've been the GM. And I gotta be honest, sometimes I handle it right. A lot of times I didn't. You live, you learn. And I'm trying to save you the headaches I've caused myself. My final point here, have fun, but be careful to not trample on somebody else's fun while you're doing that. If your archer's been taking out all the targets all night long, but Sandy's archer hasn't had the chance to shoot, maybe pick a new target and let her have a chance to have some fun. Now, I get that sometimes the initiative rolls don't work out in everyone's favor. And if you followed season one of the campaign build-along, you know this happened to Tyler in my group. I'm not talking about that because that is something for the GM to deal with. I'm talking about intentionally hogging all of the cool stuff for yourself at the expense of others. Now, I'm sure that's not what you're trying to do, and it probably never even occurred to you that you were doing it. Just try to be mindful, and once again, share. I'm sure there are more points I could have and probably should have made, but I, I think we got enough stuff out this week to help some of you along your way as players. If you've got questions or if you've got a point or two you'd like to see me cover, hit me up on the socials or email, and I'll get them on a future episode. And with that, we've come to the end of today's tour. Next week, we cover the flip side of the gaming coin by covering GM 101. Much like we did today for the players, we're going to dig into the GM's responsibilities. In the meanwhile, check out our other podcast, Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. This week, we start building our first adventure of the new campaign, and it's designed to teach your players the rules for the Fallout game, as well as help them pick up a level or two in the meanwhile. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. 
The music we use for this show comes from Pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Role-Playing History is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod. Twitter at Bad GMP. YouTube and Tumblr, it's Bad GM Productions. You can email us badgmproductions at gmail.com. And online, the website is badgmproductions.net. Now, before I close the show, with Christmas coming up this Sunday, I wanted to take a moment to encourage all of you to take some time this weekend and spend it with the folks you're the closest with. Give thanks for all the things you've got in your life, no matter their value. On behalf of the entire staff of Bad GM Productions, have yourself a Merry Christmas. For our friends who celebrate one of the dozens of non-Christmas holidays celebrated around the world, we hope you've taken the time to reflect on the past year, spent time with your loved ones, and taken the time to appreciate the things in your life that you enjoy the most. Happy holidays to you all from all of us at Bad GM Productions. Next week, we cover GM 101, and I'll probably be roasting my chestnuts over the open fire with my examples for that show, which is going to be both painful and interesting. (laughs) But that's next week, though. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history. <laughs>